Recorded live at IPW in San Antonio, Texas, this is Brand USA Talks Travel. IPW 2023 brings together travel professionals from more than 70 countries. We've brought the podcast to Texas so you can hear directly from the leaders in the travel industry. Now, here's your host, Mark Lapidus. Because we've worked together for so many years, I know that you're a morning walker. I am. Doing about five miles a day, right? I do. If I'm back at home, uh, every morning, five miles. And I understand you listen to a lot of podcasts. I do. So aside from this one, what are your current favorites? My podcast interests are really in uh, Gator Sports, which really has nothing to do with my job or anything else. It's one of my passions. So when I'm on my walks, I'm looking for some way to escape. And when I first started walking, I decided that I was going to listen to music. And so I went back and looked at Billboard Top 1. Starting with my birth year, and started every decade listening to the top 100 songs for the first year or so when I started five miles a day. With every year that went by, obviously I was a little older, a little more appreciative. We're <laughs> actually probably listening. You know, I think when you hear the music, it brings back a memory, and then it kind of puts in perspective what was going on when you listen to that song. So it was fun. I'm speaking with Chris Thompson, President and CEO of Brand USA, and Chris has graciously agreed to join me for this specific episode because we mark a special occasion today. It's the 100th episode of Brand USA Talks Travel. Happy podcast to you. Happy podcast to you. Happy podcast, Mark. Happy podcast to you. That is awesome. Oh my God. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, now I gotta blow them out. Damn. <laughs> Well, Chris, here we are back for IPW 2023 in San Antonio, and we're seeing attendance reach pre-pandemic levels. What are your thoughts about that? Gosh, lots of reasons why. I think uh, we're still riding momentum coming off of the pandemic. As I've said all along, as it related to pandemic and how it affected our world, it's never been a demand issue. Uh, as a matter of fact, as I said in the press conference yesterday, I think what we realized as we couldn't travel, whether it was domestic or international, it went from a nicety to a necessity, and we understand that it's not just being able to go somewhere and see someplace new and different. It's really something that makes you whole, helps you grow, helps you learn. It also went from a discretionary spend to a required spend. So this is the place where that's all realized. The industry comes together once a year at IPW. It's our world of stakeholders, buyer suppliers, our government partners, everybody that has any play with international inbound visitation and spend. So we're feeling that. Also an interesting phenomena. We're here in San Antonio. I call San Antonio a second tier city and I don't mean that in any negative way. What I say is that there's a group of cities that have been on the IPW circuit that you can call them out, LA, Las Vegas, Orlando, Miami, and others that people have been to many, many times. So when they come to this event, it's all about the show and what happens on this trade show floor. But when it comes to a city like San Antonio, first time ever that they've hosted this event, they've known it for five years, they've been planning for it. The moment you stepped off the airplane, you could tell that they knew we were here. Oh, the signs were all over the airport. There was a band in the airport when I arrived. Everybody that is in this community knows, you know, U.S. travel does a survey afterwards to determine the economic benefit and it's always something north of five billion dollars worth of business booked on this trade show floor over the next three years amazing and there's a disproportionate return to the host city always but to a city like this it probably is even a larger measure because one of the things i threw out when i talked to people and they don't realize it that this is the seventh largest city in the country it's bigger than washington dc now and most people have no clue that that's the case this is only my second trip to san antonio i was here pre-covid when cassandra matei was the ceo 
she's now in Orlando. She asked me to come speak to her annual meeting. So I spoke, but it was a quick in and out, so I didn't really get to enjoy the city. So Saturday night of this event, we hosted the Chairman's Circle event for all the top travel trade identified by the Chairman's Circle members for U.S. Travel. It was in a beautiful facility, and we all had transportation going over, but on the way back, they brought us back on the riverboats. So we got to actually get on the river and go through uh, the river walk. I was going, holy mackerel. I mean, you wouldn't even know this is down here unless you take the time to cross a bridge and walk down one of the stairways to get down on the river walk. And it's a, literally a world that's all its own. It's very cool. I was down there last night. This city has a great history, a great culture. I have to say, every night they put one of their best assets forward. And it seemed like every night was better than the night prior. And that's hard to do for any city. But the fact that they're doing it and doing it in a really authentic, compelling way, disproportionate amount of people walking up to me saying how amazing they think that this event has been. Chris, as we celebrate this 100th episode, it's a good time for me to ask you what key milestones and achievements stand out in the journey of promoting the United States over the last 10 years. Mark, as you know, we hired a new creative brand agency, and so they're here for the first time. We're giving them a good, healthy dose of the world that is ours. And they asked me that question, you know, what is your vision? I said, you know, I don't really have a specific, clear vision moving forward, but I will answer this question about the past 10 years the exact same way. I've had the privilege, and I think I'm still the only person that has a had a chance to run a DMO at the local level for Florida's capital city of Tallahassee at the state level for when it was a division of tourism and then later when it was Visit Florida now at the national level. I understand the space. I understand the role of destination marketing and I understand value propositions. So we always had to be respectful of what has been there for many decades before we got here and then also create the only ways we can do it. And I'd say the highlights of the 10 years when we hit that second portion of that value proposition, which is doing things that only we could do. Great examples all the way back to 2016. 16, we launched our first IMAX big screen movie, National Parks Adventure, celebrating the 100-year anniversary of our national parks. Uh, I remember when I went to the person that ran the U.S. park system, the director, and told him what we were going to do. I said, sir, I understand that you are the shepherd and the steward and the curator of these amazing assets and that this is an amazing milestone year, and I know you're under-resourced to be able to truly promote it. I said, we have a plan to do that. And so when that film launched, it was the highest grossest documentary film in the world that year. I think there's Academy Award equivalent awards. There may be eight of them, and I think the film won seven of them. So to produce your first film, and who knew I'd be a movie producer, or we'd be movie producers, to have it come out of the gate with that, that was great. When I look at things like the uh, Go USA TV channel, again, one of those thoughts that we wanted to aspire to be in the Netflix for everything there is to see and do in the United States, and certainly that's grown today to where it has the potential, and you're the man. I think we can reach nearly a billion people a day, potentially reach a billion people every day. I look at our global marketplace. Pandemic hits. We had this amazing event we held in London the year prior. It was called Travel Week. We wanted to do it again, but when we realized that this pandemic was not only going to last a couple weeks or a couple months, we knew we had to find a way to keep our stakeholders engaged and so the global marketplace. So those are highlights of things, but the fourth of our five foundational elements is that we have to add value to what's been here forever, create value in only ways we can do it. We have also been able to be valuable to our largest, most well-resourced partners, all the way down to the ones that in the absence of us wouldn't even be able to be in the international market. So even the smallest examples of how we provide the value proposition has been something that I'm very proud of. And then I would say the very last thing is the relationship we have with our federal government and what makes me think of it is I look off my left shoulder, I see federal row. And we always talk about public-private partnership and the relationship that we now have with our federal government accountable to Congress through the Department of Commerce, the relationship we have with eight other federal agencies, the accountability that we have directly to Congress 
Congress. The fact that we were brought into existence with a bipartisan vote at the highest levels across both chambers, both parties. We were reauthorized twice. And then here recently, when we're coming out of COVID and our funding model had been compromised, an outreach from the Travel and Tourism Advisory Board from the Department of Commerce about, we know your model's been compromised. What resource do you need? Forget about what you've had. What do you need? And we said, really? Went out and put a plan together, a compelling plan of $250 million, submitted it to TTAB. They gave it to Secretary Raimondo when she was asked to be uh, the Secretary of Commerce. She took it and believed in it, took it to the Hill. U.S. Travel did their magic. And damn if we didn't get $250 million. And if I could pick one thing I'm most proud of, I would say I own the federal government relationship, meaning that's 100% focus of mine. And I'm very proud of that because I think we have as good a relationship in a public-private partnership. And I think how we're constituted, I hold up high every day as the best example of how you bring government and the private sector together to do big things. I am so thrilled to hear your voice because you're so excited about everything you talk about. <laughs> oh, you think so? Oh, absolutely. And the cool part for me about that is you've been doing this a long time. I mean, not just at Brand USA, but with Visit Florida and other entities, and you still get so excited about this. It's so great. I actually wake up every day and I go, damn, I'm the president and CEO of Brand USA. How cool is that? My wife, if she were introducing me to a friend, she'd say, let me introduce you to my husband, Chris Thompson. Uh, he and I met when we were 18 years old. We've been married 42 years, so I obviously love him, but I hate him because he gets up every day and he loves his job, and I don't. And do some of your friends think you're a travel agent? Oh, no, my boys did. My two boys, when they were young, I mean, they're 36 and 32, so they've grown up in this business. And Not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way. We love travel agents. No, 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 no. But where that story came from is my boys, when they were young, they'd have to talk about what your parents do for a living, they go, oh, dad's a travel agent. You know, where, everywhere we go, he plans a trip and we get treated real nice. And then when they saw me when they're older, shaking hands of presidents and being the face of travel and tourism around the world, they go, that's <laughs> legit. And I go, no, that's <laughs> legit. When you joined me on the very first episode of Brand USA Talks Travel, we were certainly in a different place than we are today. We've hired a lot of people recently. Tell me about that. You know, we were affected just like everybody else uh, when we saw that there was no hope because there was no uh, end in sight. Because our world of it was international travel, our borders were closed, we literally had to scale back to probably 10% of what normal commitment to resources and operations would be. So went from 80 to 34 on the org chart. So when we had to start building the team back, over the course of COVID, it gave us a chance to look at our org chart, look at our human resources, and validate things that we knew we wanted to keep coming out of COVID and then look at things that we haven't had in the past. I would have to say going into COVID, it was the one thing I had to agree to disagree with our team, and particularly the young ones. They came to me and said, we deserve a right to telework and should be a day a week. And I said, I don't know what rights you think you have. And I don't know where you're coming from, but I'll acknowledge that telework's part of the culture and it's between you and your supervisor. And then I come back from COVID and I said, oh, hell, you don't even have to live in the DMV anymore. And they're going, well, who are you and what did you do with Chris? We're promoting a hybrid remote environment. And I would say it was really going to be hard for me to come back and not embrace that because I, how could I say that we didn't? meet near normal operations because we did. Well, I think the beauty of this is it's enabled us to hire people all over the country, which brings in better talent. The second part of what you said is the absolute truth is I said, there's a lot of people that want to be in D.C., want to live in D.C. because it's a intellectual capital. There's a lot of young, smart, brilliant, really craving fun people. But I would say in the more technical positions, they don't always live in D.C. and they always don't want to live in that area. So I think the fact that we're embracing that has uh, brought us a more robust candidate pool. And I would say, and you have to agree because you've been part of it, I think the 
people we're hiring now are more qualified, better prepared, and have shorter learning curves and drinking a little less out of the fire hose coming on board. And I would say the end result of what they bring to the table and then their new perspective and their uh, creativity and innovation that they bring to it. Even here, the feel of the group here is so different than it's been in the past because we're now to the point where I call them newbies. We have more newbies than we have veterans that made it through the pandemic. And you know, we're worried about how do we show them our culture? I said, hell, we're building a new culture and they get to be part of it. I love their energy. I love their creativity. Yeah. I love their eagerness. And actually, it's not bad to have faces of Brand USA around the country. So it's that, there's been a lot of positives. And to finish that topic out, my CEO colleagues know we're doing this. So they'll look at me every once in a while because they're all deciding what they're going to do. They go, how's it working? I go, well, it's working pretty good. But, you know, it's a work in progress. We're finding our way. But so far, we're committed to it. And you heard me say to the team, I say, guys, if this changes, it's not going to be me dictating. It's going to be you. And I think you could also say a lot of the youngsters really want, they're saying they want to be in the office more. I understand that because because they don't know everybody yet. There's some socialization they'd like to do with each other. Totally get that. Before we close today, Chris, I'd like to congratulate you on the arrival of your grandchildren. Oh, yeah. It's been a major change in life. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that has influenced your work. Gosh, forget about my work. It's my life. I come from a side of the family that didn't produce girls. When my wife and I had our second boy, I said, I'm in for a third to have a girl. She said, you can do that with your second wife. <laughs> We've been married 42 years. And I said, well, I guess we'll have to wait for a little granddaughter. And darn if the first one was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little girl. She's literally changed my life. I used to look at grandparents and say they're stupid and I'm as stupid as any I've ever seen and I, I can't even put to words the transformation it just makes you look at life in a different way through their eyes well I can't wait you know I'm not a grandpa yet but I want to be and I know you're hungry to see what how it's affecting me and you see it so I know you that's why you asked that question I can see the love in your eyes and I hear it in your voice well, I know the uh, CEO for Visit San Antonio is actually waiting for you right now, so I better let you go. I said the danger of trying to do a podcast with me is like got 20 million people chasing me down, and they're all watching us through the window here. So, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, taking the time. No, I appreciate it, Mark. You're doing a great job with this. Thanks. Thank you so much, Chris. And that's Brand USA Talks Travel live from IBW in San Antonio, Texas. I'm Mark Lapidus. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this live from IPW San Antonio, Texas episode, please share it with your friends in the travel industry. Safe travels.